Hello again, I'm Drew McKenna, and welcome to Grafted Branches, a place to explore and talk about Jesus in his Hebraic first century context. With me is Deborah, my beautiful and wonderful wife. Hey there. So Drew, what are we going to talk about in this podcast? Is it about those much maligned Pharisees? It is. In our last podcast, we did a short overview of the Sadducees. And if our listeners remember, we started with this narrative from the Gospel of Matthew. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So in this podcast, we are going to talk about the second snake mentioned here, the Pharisees. You know, most of us were taught that Pharisees are a bunch of hypocritical, legalistic, self-righteous people. And John seemingly backs up that idea with that quote from Matthew. However, Jesus instructed his disciples to follow the teachings of both the scribes and the Pharisees. Isn't that a bit contradictory and odd? How can John call them vipers, but Jesus tells his followers to do what the scribes and Pharisees taught? Hmm, Yes, at first glance, it does sound a bit contradictory. Most of us have heard the term Pharisee used in a very derogatory manner, and Jesus himself harshly criticized the hypocritical practices of some Pharisees. But what most of us don't realize is the Pharisees themselves strongly condemned hypocrisy in themselves. Like all things, we need to start at the beginning and get a good understanding of this this very important group of people. Okay, I agree because when we pick up our Bibles and read John the Baptist's rather descriptive words about Pharisees, it is really easy to get that proverbial first impression. Of course, first impressions are normally lasting impressions. So let me ask you this. Where did this group of men, known as Pharisees, get their start? Well, the most basic student of the Bible knows that a group called Pharisees are not mentioned until the New Testament. But shouldn't we be asking ourselves, who are these people? What do they believe? And why are they getting or asking a lot of questions of Jesus? Well, to make a long story short, after the destruction of the first temple and Israel's return from the Babylonian captivity, a large group of Jews said, this will never happen again. Because we will stick faithfully to God's word. We are going to be faithful, so God will never again reject us. They said, we should serve God alone. No idols, no paganists, only God to love him with all our hearts and obey his word. They were known as people who passionately loved God and wanted to obey his word, not in a legalistic way, but from the heart. They understood his call to reestablish his kingdom in our midst. Israel became eventually came under pagan rule, first by Alexander the Great and then by others. Under the Greek rule and domination, the Jewish people were unable to teach God's instructions, the Torah, not allowed to circumcise their children, no blowing the shafar, and no sacrifices in the temple. Worst of all, they were required and maybe even forced to worship the pagan Greek gods. Out of all this, one family stood up and said, no, 
Now is the time to take up the sword, the knife, and the spear, and in the name of God, destroy those who will drive us into idolatry. These people were known as the Hasmoneans or Maccabees, and they drove the Greeks out of Israel and freed the temple from pagan worship. Yes, and the Jewish holiday we know as Hanukkah is the celebration of the cleansing of the temple in Jerusalem from Greek pagan worship. But there's more. And while we might talk about Hanukkah and and how Jesus celebrated it sometime in the future, this podcast is about Pharisees. So how did the Pharisee sect arise out of the ashes of Greek domination? After the defeat of the Greeks, it was natural for the Hasmoneans to become a ruling family in Israel. Sadly, as their reign progressed, they liked the Greek Hellenistic lifestyle and eventually became as repressive and pagan as the Greeks they disposed. For the faithful in Israel, this was a big problem because their goal was to worship God alone and follow the teachings of Torah. These faithful and pious people eventually split into two groups, one calling themselves Pharisees, and which literally means one who is separated, and the other, the Zealots. Hmm. It's my understanding the uh, Pharisees decided taking up arms and killing in God's name was not what God wanted his people to do. What made them different were these things. First of all, God will fight for his kingdom, they believed. They would keep the Torah, serve him, and obey the scriptures. God will deal <clears throat> excuse me, with the pagans. They would not take up the sword. They would neither fight nor kill. God will send a Messiah. And he, that Messiah, will cleanse the world of the pagans. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Many of our Christian sects today hold very similar ideas with these ancient Pharisees. However, in the 150 years of their existence, the Pharisees matured in their passions and teachings. By the time we read about them in the New Testament, the name Pharisee no longer marks a separation between people. Rather, it now means a separation from sin. Our listeners have to understand what is meant by separation from sin. Basically, to a Pharisee, sin is not living life according to God's instructions, the Torah. It is not some silly legalistic approach to pleasing God through some sort of action. That is something pagans do in their worship by believing sacrifices and actions can somehow manipulate and appease the wrath of their gods. To a Pharisee, following God's instructions is because of their passion, love, and faithfulness to him, not because they want to appease him as pagans do. You know, there's just one dilemma. How does one know if they have sinned or not follow God's instructions if they don't know what those instructions are? So because of this, Pharisees passionately knew their Bible, the Torah, and had teachers who brought uh, those instructions from the Bible into practical daily life. They essentially became the experts on how to live out God's instructions, and despite what people may have heard, they were highly respected in the Hebrew community of their day. Why? Because they walked the talk. 
(laughs) When we talked about the Sadducees, we found that no one really had anything good to say about them. But quite the opposite is true for the Pharisees. Other than a few criticisms, there is nothing negative from that time period written about them. Everything written about them as a group showed great respect and admiration, especially because they put their faith into practice and lived it out. What I find interesting is while Jesus does criticize those who live uh, hypocritically, Jesus taught them to pay attention to what they tell you to do and go do it. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they teach. But that's from Matthew 23. The Pharisees as a group were even harder on their own. It is recorded in uh, Jewish literature there were seven types of Pharisees. Five bad, two good, and of those two, one was better than the other. Basically, though, it's an in-house criticism of their own people. What I like about these descriptions is how they self-critique themselves, something I think our Christian communities should do these days. So let's get started. I'll give the first type of Pharisee, the shikmi, The name means one who carries the load on their shoulders. If our listeners remember the story of Jacob's daughter Dinah and the men of Shechem from Genesis 34, this is where the men of Shechem all agreed to be circumcised. They did this not because of their love for God, but because their leader wanted to marry Dinah, Jacob's daughter. They were circumcised for the wrong reason. It is said a Shikmi Pharisee does the acts, actions, excuse me, actions of Shechem. They are hypocrites, circumcised not because of a love for God, but rather for their position in the community. They lay heavy burdens of do's and don'ts on other shoulders while enjoying their own status. Jesus said this, For you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Hmm. Okay, the second type of Pharisee is known as the nikpee. Literally, it means one who knocks his feet together. And the imagery are those who go around with exaggerated humility. They would say, oh, spare me a moment that I may perform a commandment. Basically, they let everybody know how religious they are. Jesus taught on this type of behavior. So when you give to the poor... Do not sound a trumpet before you. And you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And there are so many more examples from the Bible which apply to the Nicpee Pharisee. But the point is, they want others to know how much they do and possibly suffer for God. Oh, the third type of Pharisee is the Kazai, or the bleeding nose Pharisee. Boy, that's really a strange one. Why would a Pharisee be called someone who has a bleeding nose? (laughs) It's described this way. It's like a man who is so worried about how he looks at a woman that while looking away, he runs into a wall, thus the bleeding nose. This particular Pharisee is not considered a phony or hypocritical at all. The problem is he was so concerned about doing everything right, he goes to ridiculous extremes trying to accomplish it. In doing so, it is said, he does a good thing, but then nullifies it through a bad thing. Because he doesn't want to look at a woman in lust, his solution naturally hurts him. 
Well, number four and five on the list of Pharisees is the pestle, as in mortar and pestle, and the account. I've grouped the two of these together because I think they kind of flow one into another. It is said the pestle Pharisee bows his head like a pestle in a mortar. I think the imagery here is to refine something in a mortar, uh, which is a bowl where one takes spices or other raw materials, and by using a pestle, he presses and grinds that into something useful. I've read some interesting ideas of what this person may look like in a practical way. However, I see it similar to the idiom, keeping your nose to the grinding stone. It's a person who lives it out, applies it to themselves, making sure they complete their task. They were people who meant what they did, but they wanted to make sure you noticed it. The account Pharisee is one who spends too much time and effort tracking and keeping tabs on what they're doing and often forget why they are doing it. It can't be said the process is more important to them than the result. They are both criticized in a similar way. They miss the essence or reason behind why they are doing what they're doing. In Luke 18.8, we find a man, he's called a ruler, who I think is an example of this. He asked Jesus this, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And after he was given a list of commandments uh, right out of the Torah, he said this, All these things I have kept, missing the essence or reason behind why he was doing them. Drew, we're down to the last two types of Pharisees. And what I think is important is that these two are considered the most important to model in life. The sixth and probably the most common type of Pharisee was the Pharisee of fear. These are those who have total respect and devotion to God. They study and learn commandments of God because they don't want to transgress them. Another way of saying it is this. They want to know the right way of living and had a fear of not doing it, either accidentally or intentionally. Maybe this passage from Deuteronomy 30.19 is their greatest motivation. Quote, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. They want to do to choose to do the right thing. And that means they want to know what the right thing to do is. Yes. Now I get to talk about the seventh, the last and most important type, the Pharisee of love. It is the first and probably the most important commandment given to us by Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Jesus was quoting out of Deuteronomy 6.5. And the Pharisees also remembered this scripture out of Deuteronomy 19.9. Love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways. Jesus also said uh, this to any of us who consider themselves as disciples. If you love me, you will keep my commandment. Truthfully, the rabbis considered this type of Pharisee not just the most important and the one to strive for, but the one with the fewest people who fit this description. Learning, studying, applying, doing, and keeping because of our love for God is probably the hardest thing any person can do. That's true. 
It's far easier to do things because of the potential benefit for ourselves than it is out of unselfish love for another. As you were known to say, do we accept Jesus as our Savior because we don't want to go to hell, or do we love him? I think probably the former is more true than the latter, but we, like the seed thrown on the good ground, grow into the latter. After hearing and acting on the good news, we begin to our love relationship with God. We want to hear, when our last day arrives, enter into your rest, good and faithful servant. We want our Father to be pleased with us because we love Him. Absolutely. Now let's sum it up for our listeners. There are seven types of Pharisees, five of which range from hypocrites to not so much, two which were desired, and one they all really wanted to be like. So the first one, Shikmi, or shoulder Pharisee, is like the ones who get circumcised, join the synagogue, church, or organization for the benefits it brings to them. The Nick P. Those who knock their heels together in exaggerated humility. They want others to see how religious and pious they are. The Kazai, or bleeding nose, Pharisee. These people have the right intentions, but nullify them by doing the wrong thing. The example is a man who looks away so he won't lust after a woman and runs into a wall. The Pestle Pharisee. They have their heads bowed like a pestle in a mortar. They grind away at knowing and doing God's commandments. And while they weren't phony, they often missed the point of why they were doing it. The account Pharisee are those who keep track of all they do, and in doing so, they lose track of why they did them. The Pharisee of fear. This is the most common Pharisee, and Joe may have been a great example of this person. They want to know and keep the commandments and fear breaking them. Finally, the seventh, the most important and the one we all should strive to be like is the Pharisee of love. This is a person whose motivations are based on love for God and his righteousness. They strive to know him in a more intimate and personal way, doing so by fervently studying God's instructions, applying them, and learning the heart of God through them. This is also the hardest one to be like. Oftentimes, I think it takes a miracle from God to help us become this person. Yes, I think the normal inclination is at best to be one of the first five types of Pharisees as we walk through life. Which one begs the question all of us should be asking? Which Pharisee am I? I know that I desire to be like the Pharisee of love. (laughs) That should be how we approach everything and everybody in life. But truthfully, most of us seem to fall far short all too often. However, Jesus taught persistence is the key. The more we work at it, the more we become like that thing. Scholars who have researched the literature from this time period say Jesus' teachings are very similar to the teachings of the Pharisees. While I know Jesus wasn't a Pharisee per se, which type do you think he modeled? Obviously the seventh. He was in all things motivated by love for God's creation, us. 
which reminds me of the disciples' passion. They want to be like their rabbi teacher. So essentially, not all Pharisees were vipers. Only those who lived out their walk in a hypocritical way. I hope all of our listeners can now take these seven types of Pharisees and see them in Jesus' teachings. But true. More importantly, perhaps it's time for Christians to do a little in-house criticism, like the Pharisees themselves did. It's time to start stop pointing our fingers at the Pharisees we see in the Bible and learn the mis- from the mistakes of those who lived before us. We can start by asking ourselves, do I ever do anything that causes another to stumble in their faith? Is how I treat my spouse, my co-workers, my neighbors, my in-laws, or my posts on social media, are these causing others to say they want nothing to do with God, Christianity, or church? If Jesus said of the Pharisees who lived hypocritically, do as they teach but not as they do because they're not living it, what would he say about us today? Wow, you've given us a lot to think about. You know, maybe knowing more about Pharisees is an important way to examine ourselves and how we relate to God and our community. But you know, it's time uh, for us to thank all of our listeners for joining us today in this podcast about Pharisees. And as I always say, though, until our next podcast, we need to get to know him, what he taught, and we definitely need to go live it. Oh, and don't forget... If you want more in-depth information and resources on these topics, go to our website at graftedbranches.org. 